Well, I'm really excited about this new series that we're kicking off today. It's entitled, It's History. So put the past behind you. And what we're going to be exploring through this series is how so many of us are held hostage by things that have happened to us in the past. For some of us, someone betrayed us. They hurt us. They lied to us. And we've been carrying around all of this bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And so next week, we're going to take a look at why the Bible says it's so important for us to forgive. And then we're going to actually talk about how to forgive. Also, we're going to examine how to own up and take responsibility for the times that we've offended people, when we've hurt them, and how we can work toward healing those relationships. We're also going to talk about how God has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself for something that you did maybe last week, maybe 15 or 20 years ago. We'll examine how to get past our own past. But today what I want to talk about is don't let that define you. Things that define us often are things that lock us down. For many of you, somewhere in your past, someone called you something. They defined you in a certain way. And for whatever reason, it stuck. Or worse, it wasn't true, but you believed it. And you've believed it ever since. It isn't true, but you're still living under the definition that someone gave you a long time ago about you. If you allow him, God will do a work today to help you overcome all of that. I want to tell you a story about a young girl named Kim. She was a young woman in a ministry years ago that I was in charge of, and she came to talk to me one day. And what you need to know about Kim is that from all appearances, she had it all together. She came from a Christian home. Her dad had been a minister at one time. He was a great guy. She had this sweet spirit. She was involved in ministry there in the church. And she was one of those people who was quietly a positive influence everywhere she went. Yet as the conversation went forward that day, I realized that she was deeply troubled about something. She began to explain about a relationship from several years before, something from her past where she had crossed a line sexually, and that sin was absolutely tearing her up on the inside. On the outside, Kim had everything together, but on the inside, that one event from her past, years and years before, in her mind, had disqualified her. She saw herself as sinful and bad, and dirty. She saw herself as a failure. Though she had been forgiven by God, and she knew that, she continued to believe that this one sin defined who she was. Some of you understand Kim all too well. Her story is eerily similar to yours. If you allow God, he will do a work today to help you overcome that. So don't let that define you any longer. So what I want to do as I start this talk this morning is something that defines us, and that's nicknames. And I thought we might start kind of in an easy way. What I want to do is show you the nicknames to some of our nation's great cities 
and see if you can figure them out. Now, what I want you to do is when you see the nickname, if you know the city, I want you to shout it out. Now, I know I can't hear you, but I still think it will be fun for you. So let's do this, okay? The first nickname is the Big Apple. Of course, everybody knows this is New York City, right? The second one is the Windy City. You know this one? Of course you do. It's Chicago. The next one is the City of Brotherly Love. No, it's not Lexington. You know what it is. It's Philadelphia. Okay, it's going to get a little harder here. The next one is the Motor City. It's Detroit. That's right. It's Detroit. And the next one, Big D. Any cowboy fans? All right, you know this is Dallas, right? Now, the Emerald City. No, it's not the Wizard of Oz. This is Seattle. Of course you knew that, right? And then the next one is Iron City. One of my favorite homes. Pittsburgh, that's right. And then the last one is the Holy City. And if you said the Vatican, you're wrong, okay? It's actually Jerusalem. Everybody knows nicknames about all kinds of different places, different people. A positive nickname can make a huge difference in someone's life. Several years ago, we had a staff activity where everyone took a piece of paper with their name on it and had it taped to their back. And for about 10 minutes, we went around with Sharpies and we wrote a positive characteristic about each person. This was my paper that day. When the exercise was finished, we took the tape off our paper and looked at it and saw what our teammates had written about us. Those were some of the most encouraging things that I'd seen in a long time. The power of a positive name is undeniable. In fact, that picture of that paper is still hanging in my office on my bulletin board. If I look back at my life, though, not everything was always encouraging. One nickname I received was Fish. Now let me explain this. When I was on the wrestling team during my sophomore year of high school... I was on the team with a friend of mine. His name was Steve. And this was Steve's first year on the wrestling team. He was, a, he was a football player. He was a good athlete. But he'd never wrestled before. Well, one day at practice, Steve jokingly called me fish. Which, in the wrestling world, fish is a derogatory term. It describes a bad wrestler. If you can imagine a wrestler who's like a fish out of water, just flopping around on the mat. That's what a fish was. And Steve, being new to the sport, I think probably had heard that term a few times directed at him early on in the season. So one day, while joking around, Steve called me fish. And I don't know why, but it just stuck. Not with everybody, just with Steve. And every time I saw him, he called me fish. To this day, if I ran into Steve 30, 40 years later... I'm sure he would greet me, not with my name, but with the nickname Fish. You know, nicknames are given for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes they're given jokingly, like that one, just in a sense of teasing or humor. Some are pet nicknames that are given as an expression of our affection for someone. But some nicknames are given to hurt people, 
to point out their flaws or their weaknesses or their shortcomings. So I wonder, just in your own mind, think about that nickname that's a negative one that was ascribed to you. Maybe it was 50 years ago. Maybe it was just last week. Maybe for you, you were called doormat because you always were so nice to people and people walked all over you and took advantage of you. Or maybe you were called lazy or irresponsible or hot-headed. Or maybe you were the person they called the party girl or the dude they called a stoner. Or maybe you were just average. They called you average because you weren't really good at anything. You weren't horrible at anything. You were just average. Or, you know, maybe it wasn't a nickname that defined you. Maybe it was a rumor that someone started in the second grade when they said you wet the bed. And that kind of that defined you all through the rest of your time in school. Or maybe the high school rumor about you was you were a high school alcoholic or you slept around or you just couldn't be trusted. You were a liar. Here's the irony. Many of those rumors weren't true, even if they were. For a lot of us, that was a long time ago. Yet often it's still how people see you. And worse yet, many of those who are listening to my voice know it's how you see yourself, tragically. I want you to listen to God's word this morning through the lens of any negative that you've been branded with. And as you think about it, here's what I hope you'll hear. God's power is more persuasive than your past. God's power is more persuasive, it's more influential, it's more powerful than your past. God's truth about you is bigger than any current definition in your life. In fact, he created you Maybe he should be given the right to define you. If you have a negative label that truthfully you deserve, because, well, let's be honest, it's really true about you. I want you to understand this, that what is true about you today doesn't have to be true about you going forward. The power of God can speak into you, and he can take what is and make it no longer true. God, through the power of Jesus, can break the labels that have branded you. Here's how he's going to do it. I'm going to ask God to give you a new God-centered view of yourself based on his word that's found in one verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says this, anyone who is joined to Christ pause just a moment there. This means anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you came from. It doesn't matter how bad your past was or how true the label is about you. It doesn't even matter who you are. If you've submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins and you were baptized into him, then this applies to you because you've joined with Christ. So listen, let's read that verse together. Say it with me. Anyone who has joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone, the new has come. Listen to this. The old, it encompassed 
all of your sin. Every single sinful failure is included in that word old. And where is it? Where is it? Paul says it's gone. It's gone. And what happened to it after it was gone? He says, the new has come. All your sin is gone. It's been forgiven. It was washed away. And you get a new life. Now, how does this happen? Well, John explains this to us in 1 John 1, 7. He says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So if you're in Christ, the old has been washed away. It's totally gone. The power of sin that held you back can be broken in the name of Jesus. And the newness of life in Christ is available to you. And you can have a new God-centered view of who you are. I'm going to share three truths that can set you free this morning from the things that have improperly defined you and have held you down. Maybe it was a nickname or a rumor or even a sin from your past that ruined your good name. Well, I have good news for you. The first truth says God will grant you a new name. God will grant you a new name. Isaiah 62 verse 2 says, You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. Many of you believed what others said about you in the past. Now God is telling us that he wants to bestow a new name upon you. It kind of reminds me of that high school girl. You remember she was dating and she had just started dating that guy And she would write in her notebook her name, and then she would replace her last name with his last name. And then she would circle it with all these hearts and X's and O's. She was so excited about the possibilities in the future of having this new name. God will replace your old nicknames, your old rumors, with a brand new name. He did this in numerous times in scripture. Let me share a couple with you. There was a guy by the name of Jacob. His name, Jacob, actually meant swindler, trickster, hustler. God gave him a new name. It was Israel. It meant meant wrestled with God or God will prevail. He went from being a huckster to God will prevail. He got a new name. And it changed who he was. There's another guy who was kind of a wimp in Scripture. His name was Gideon. And he was hiding from the enemy when an angel of God comes up to the the scaredy cat. And he says this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. God called him a mighty warrior. Which coincidentally is what God refers to me about all the time. Monty, you're a mighty warrior. God is going to give you a new name too. What you've been labeled with in the past no longer is true. Even if it was true at one time, it's no longer true. In fact, I've seen this in my own life. On July 29th, 1988, I got a new name and it changed my life. On that day, our first daughter, Bailey, was born. 
As you know, the birth of a child is an incredible miracle in itself, but when that child is your child, it has a deep, sobering effect. And I can promise you, nothing prepares you for the seismic shift you experience the first time somebody refers to you as dad. It can be overwhelming. The idea that you're responsible for this brand new, tiny life. I realized I wasn't ready for this. I had so much to learn. I wasn't prepared, but I knew eventually I would grow into my new name, Dad. And then about the time I felt like I had a handle on this, August 25th, 1992, it happened all over again. Our daughter Natalie arrived into the world. This time I thought I was ready because we'd done this before. But I was so wrong because now there were two of them. Becoming dad again, I'd never be the same after that. And honestly, I would never want to go back to life before that. God will give some of you a new name, and it will change your life. You may feel unworthy right now, but here's what you need to know. God will assist you to grow into your new name. Some of you, God's going to give you the name forgiven. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven, but you haven't forgiven yourself. You may feel as, hey, I'm not there yet, but you're going to grow into that new name. All your sins are gone. So you should live as though you are forgiven and you deserve that name. Some of you, some of you, God is going to give you the name overcomer for, because your whole life, people have said, you'll never overcome that. You'll never beat that. And God is telling you different. He's going to give you the name overcomer because he knows that by his power, you can overcome it. You can, and you'll grow into that name as well. Some of you feel very inadequate as a parent, especially over this last month. I just don't measure up, you say. But God is saying, no, you are a spiritual leader for your home. You have what it takes. You may think, I don't see it, but you'll grow into it with God's help. Many of us have been labeled by things in the past. Don't believe what others have said about you. Believe that you are who God says you are. So God will grant you a new name. Second truth is God will grant you a new purpose. With your new name comes a new purpose. You see God do this over and over again in the Bible. One of the best examples is a guy by the name of Simon. He could have been labeled unpredictable, undependable, impulsive, But Jesus meets Simon and he says to him, you're a fisherman, you've been catching fish your whole life, but I'm gonna give you a new purpose. For the rest of your life, Simon, you're gonna catch people. In other words, you're gonna be a world changer, Simon. You're gonna become an evangelist. I'm going to give you a new purpose and you're gonna do things you never dreamed you could do. We read about this in Matthew 16. Starting with verse 13, it says, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is talking. They replied, the disciples. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Simon was told by Jesus, I'm giving you a new name. Your name is Peter, which means rock. You're no longer undependable. Instead, you're a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Those of you who know Peter's story, was Peter always a rock after that point? Not even close. He messed up over and over and over again. In fact, Peter actually denied Jesus not once but three times the night before he was crucified. And then after the resurrection, Jesus so graciously forgives him and restores him and basically says, now go out there and do what I called you to do. And then on the day of Pentecost, guess who God chose to be the guest speaker that day? You guessed it, Peter, the rock, the one who knew what it was like to fail and to be forgiven by God, the one who was best qualified to stand up in front of all of these Jewish people and say, repent sinners, come to Jesus, you will be saved. And you know on that day, Peter, the rock, the former fisherman, led 3,000 people to Christ. Imagine 3,000 baptisms on that one day. It was the beginning of the New Testament church. And guess who was there leading the way? Peter, the rock. Peter had grown into his purpose. God's gonna give many of you a new name. And with that new name, he comes, he comes and gives you a new purpose and you will grow into that new purpose. Here's the best news. I want you to take whatever negative brand that's been associated with your name over the years, take it and understand with the power of Jesus Christ, out of the greatest weakness of your past, God can raise up your greatest strength for your future. Out of the greatest weakness, God can raise up the greatest strength. As a fourth grader, I froze while trying to give a book report in front of the class. The teacher was merciful, and so she intervened and said, I could try again later. After everyone else had given their presentation, I got another chance to present my report, but once I got in front of the class... I was overcome with fear all over again. Only this time it seemed worse. I felt like I was panicking. And then the very worst thing happened. I started to cry. I was thoroughly embarrassed. This was without a doubt one of the worst days of my, at that point, young life. For years, public speaking absolutely terrified me. But a few years later, as a junior high kid at camp, I would feel God stirring in me that one day I would be a preacher. 
It was kind of mind-blowing because I couldn't stand in front of people to talk, but I felt that stirring. And a few years after that, I would answer the call of God. And I went from Monty the Petrified to Monty the Preacher. And if you knew me back then, you would find that very hard to believe. I was the guy who was paralyzed to talk in front of 24th graders for just five minutes. And now I preach every week to hundreds and hundreds of people. What a great privilege to have this new purpose. Out of our greatest weakness, God can birth our greatest strength. If God will take my greatest weakness, give me a new name and a new purpose, then I promise you, he wants to do the same thing for every one of you. Don't let the labels of the past define you. You are not what others say you are. You're not the result of your past. God will grant you a new name and he will grant you a new purpose. And the third truth is that he will grant you a new future. I find it kind of interesting how pessimistic most people are about their future. They say things like, my life is going nowhere, or I'm never going to get this or that or whatever. I'm, I'm never going to be happy. I'm, I'm always going to be alone. Or I'm always going to be miserable. I'm never going to get out of debt. Or I'm never going to get into my skinny jeans again. That, that one was mine. I put that in. And I promise you, I probably never will. And no one wants to see that anyway. It goes on and on, though, seriously. Listen, don't you dare insult God with your faithlessness about your future. Because here's what God says about you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and, watch for it, a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Maybe you were tagged always a bride and never a bridesmaid, and you're thinking, I'm never going to get married. All the good guys are taken. The only ones left are jerks. Or maybe you've been thinking, I'm never going to have a good marriage. I'm married to this bump on a log. He's never going to come to Christ. Or you're thinking, all she ever does is nag, nag, nag. Remember, out of your greatest weakness, God can raise up one of your greatest strengths You know, one of the best stories in the Bible that illustrates this new future is the story of Rahab, who had arguably the worst nickname of anyone in the Bible. She is mentioned eight times in Scripture, and six times she is tied to her nickname. She was known as Rahab the prostitute. Now, her label was true. We're not sure why, how she got to such a low place in life, but she was actually a prostitute. And you could only imagine what this job had done to her emotionally. This was the lowest position in that culture. It's probably one of the lowest in most cultures. She had to feel at times, I'm just no good. I'm never going to find love. I'm never going to have a good marriage. And I doubt God could ever love me But she started to hear about the God of Israel. And the Bible says that the hearts of her people melted as they heard stories about God. In fact, some of you don't really know God all that well either. 
Oh, you may believe in him because of what you, the little you know about him. But your heart is starting to melt as you hear over and over again about just how much he loves you. Well, the story continues. The two spies from Israel, they came to Rahab and she risked her life for them. She hid them and most likely it was because she wanted to have an opportunity to get to know more about their God. So this prostitute, think about this, became the savior of two Israeli spies. And all the people who were close to her were also saved by her. You see, when she got to know God, she became a new person. She was transformed. And God did what no one would have thought was possible. God gave her a God-fearing husband. His name was Salmon. And just like some of you today, you feel like it's always going to be this way. Your past is always going to define you. But here's what God did through Rahab the prostitute. She had a son. And then later in life, a grandson. And then later in life, she had a great, 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 great grandson. His name was Jesus. He was the son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Out of Rahab the prostitute came Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. Who would have thought that? Here's my point. If God could give that future to Rahab, then don't you dare let anyone define you or put a false label on you. You're not what anyone else says about you. Your future is far greater than that. By the power of Jesus, you can stop allowing your past to define you. And I want to encourage you to do that today. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. The old life is gone. And behold, our new life has begun. Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. We really do miss you all. And we want you to know that we love you deeply. I want to continue just to encourage you to continue your support. We're so grateful for that. We really are. We hope you'll join us next week for week number two of its history. And between now and then, I want to ask God to bless you richly. We'll see you then.